G'day and welcome to another episode of Perth Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Mann. And today I've got John Lindemann from Lindemann Reports along, who's a bit of a guru in the industry. I've known him for at least a decade and um, followed his research. And how it came about today was I was looking around for someone who was an expert in what's happening in the markets with rising interest rates and inflation and the relative impacts that either of these may have on our property markets. And John had written a very interesting blog post that showed the direct correlations of each and went back into the history of how they've impacted our markets in the past. And I just thought, I've got to get him along to give you these insights. And it's great to have him on the podcast for the first time. Let's go inside. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialist servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here is your host, Jared Mann. Hey, John. Thanks for coming along today. Really great to have you on the podcast for the first time. That's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. It's um, been a long time since we've had a chat, so it's uh, great to get together again. Yeah, we were just working out how long it might be, and we've done a fair bit of work over the years. I know our clients have used your reports and continue to. So today we've got a pretty juicy topic, don't we? Yeah, it's a, a pretty hot topic, I'd say, at the moment. Yeah, certainly. Well, I was doing my own research on um, who can fill our listeners in on inflation and how it actually relates to the property market. And you would have seen as well as I that there's many bank economists at the moment predicting that house prices are going to fall this year. Some of them are saying next year, and they're all relating it to the rise in interest rates and interest rates starting to rise. When that happens, we'll wait and see. But I thought you published a really nice piece actually going into some of the correlations in history, because many of us haven't seen times where we've had inflation and many of us haven't seen times where we've had rising in interest rates have we so i think uh, those of you that haven't you're very lucky because um i've gone through a few times when interest rates were up to 13 percent. it seems hard to believe but mm. even back in 1991 they were at 13 uh, percent. so it does happen before we jump into some of those things because you're new to our listeners, give us some background on on yourself and how you help property investors. I'd love to, Jared. I think for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm a property market analyst. I've been doing this professionally for over 20 years. Some people call me the guru, other call, people call me the godfather of uh, property market <laughs> analysis. But uh, yeah, I've done it a long time. I've written two books published by Wiley's Mastering the Australian Housing Market and Unlocking the Property Market, which were landmark bestsellers. Yeah, very good book. Yeah, and no, I do They're a lot on of shelf show. right near me. <laughs> Thanks. See the light blue cover of one of them. <laughs> very, very popular because they tell it the way it is. And even though the first book was over ten years ago, it pretty much hasn't changed in in you know the, its accuracy in in what is happening to us now. Hmm. Um, the fundamentals, isn't it? And that's what I feel you can be relied upon. Yeah, it's that- not going to change overnight same things true today as they were then. That's right. The fundamentals don't don't change at all. One of the things I did, and this is after we had our last uh, get together, 
I invented a, a housing market prediction solution, which identified the investment prospects for over 15,000 suburbs and towns in Australia. So it reveals their cash flow and price growth potential. Over the last decade, that's produced a consistent past predictive accuracy rate of over 90%. So when we publish reports and, and provide mentoring services and so on for investors, it's based on the, you know, the reliability and accuracy of all the analysis that I've done. And that's the only patented predictive system in Australia for property investors. So okay, it's a uh, yeah, well, good it's, one to, for investors to add to their research and overlay on the top of any other research they're doing. Yeah, it, it's good to have tools and not rely on gut feel or um, or hearsay, but use those tools. And there's quite a few out there. You know, we're not the only mm. ones that do this, but yeah, don't try and do it yourself because you'll come unstuck. So when it comes to today's topic, let's jump into it a bit. What sort of rise in interest rates is predicted just to set the scene? <laughs> well, <laughs> historically, what the Reserve Bank has done is always when it's increased rates, it's tried to do it as you know, minimally as possible. So maybe 25 basis points. And then they've learnt to wait and see what happens. Because if you wait a few months, it's not long enough to see what impact that's had on and of course, the aim of uh, increasing interest rates is to try and control inflation, you know, to slow the economy down a little bit. That takes time. So what I think they'll do is they'll probably increase by 25 points, then wait and see what happens. And if nothing happens, they'll do it again. So we could see a, you know, a series of small rises, hopefully not too many, probably this year and, and going into next year. But I certainly think that 2% would be the most that they could possibly rise because anything more than that, when people take out home loans, you know, there's a buffer rate of around 2 to 3% built into that. So I think that people can probably withstand the shock. I mean, it won't be pleasant, but it's doable. But anything more than 2% will really cause some severe pain. Hmm. And so I guess relating into then, why do some economists believe that house prices will fall and take a big hit with these rates going up? It's a common fallacy that people believe that house prices fall when interest rates go up, but it doesn't. And we can go into this in more detail, but a lot of the bank economists, you know, will start to raise the, uh, you know, doom and gloom forecast. They've already started to do this. And I think one comfort we can take in this is that bank economists' forecasts for property markets are nearly always wrong. Hmm. So if they say that prices are going to fall, well, then we can be pretty sure that they're not going to. Yeah. But I think we need to rely more on just simply the fact that it'll be the opposite of what they say. I have to also question when they are coming up with these predictions, what part those predictions play in slowing things down themselves. Um, not so much the interest rate rises, it's almost the perception that comes before that happens and along the way as it happens. Would you suggest yeah. that that has, a big has some impact as well? Yeah, it could sort of make people pause and, and mm. take stock and maybe slow down and they can become what we call self-fulfilling. It does happen, but usually they're reluctant to do it because they'll, they then get the blame. You know, people will say, well, it's your fault because you said it was going to <laughs> yeah. cause house prices to fall. Yeah, even when I look back on their predictions in the last few years, haven't they been way off in many respects? So Yeah, thankfully they have. <laughs> so they said the housing market was going to fall as a result of the COVID pandemic and we were going to recession and, and neither of those things actually took place. 
So give us some background on what has happened in the past and the, the correlation between interest rates and house prices. Okay, so what we've done, and, and uh, if you go to my my blog, I'll show you where that is later. You'll see it. Uh, yeah, I've done a number of graphs, and, and the first graph I did in the blog tracked the gradual fall in interest loan rates since 1990. And that's been in, accompanied by a steady rise in Australian median house prices over the same time. So it would seem that uh, there's a correlation between falling interest rates and rising prices, but it, it could be an accidental correlation. And does it mean anyway that the reverse is true? You know, how can mm. we be sure that if interest rates rise, property prices will fall? So what I did was I looked right back to 1990 and track the actual times when the cash rate increased, so when interest rates went up. And they have actually gone up a number of times, but each time, like back in 1991, 92, they went up by a cumulative 1%. So again, so it was a series of small rate rises, but the total was 1%. And then immediately after that, the Reserve Bank dropped the rates right back, and they went up again in 2000 by a total of 1.25%. Mm. And then after that, they dropped the rate back again. In 19, sorry, 2006 and 2008, they went up by a total of 1% and then another 0.25% just before the GFC. But again, when all of these increases, and we look at the house price growth, there's been no negative effect whatsoever. In other words, these rates increases didn't actually cause housing prices to fall, none of them. The last one we had was in 2011, it went up 0.75% and price growth, it flattened for a while and then it started to go up again. So they've really had no effect on housing prices at all. It's possible, of course, that prices might have gone up more quickly if the rates hadn't gone, gone up, but the point is they didn't actually fall. And there's a very good reason for that, which mm. a lot of people don't take into account. So would you like me to talk through that? Yeah, again. Okay. I'm, I'm waiting with on the edge of my seat here, John. <laughs> right. The reason is very simple. We've got nearly 11 million properties out there, and one third of all the housing in Australia is fully owned. That is, people don't have any mortgage on their property whatsoever. There's no remaining debt. Another third is properties that are owned by investors. Now, investors can claim the cost of housing finance interest against their other income. It's called negative gearing. So it means that if the cost of interest goes up, they just pay less tax as a result, which is a neat uh, little mm. arrangement. But We've also, also got the tenant helping us and rents yes. are going up as well at the moment and probably uh, will continue to Yeah, for a exactly. While. That's right. What will happen, yeah, they can raise asking rents on their properties whenever the leases expire to recoup the cost of any interest rate. So you've got two-thirds of our housing stock is completely immune or resilient to the effects of interest rate rises. So there's only really one-third of properties that have mortgages which are being paid off by owner-occupiers. Most of these people bought their homes many years ago when rates were much higher than they are now. So their financial situations have improved a lot. They've probably paid down some of their debt and a rise in interest rates is quite manageable, doesn't motivate them or force them to sell their homes. So it really has no effect on property prices at all. So that's, that's what the situation is. The vast majority of property owners, including investors and those that have paid off their mortgages aren't affected by interest rates at all. And so I guess, is there any suburbs or property types that would be more affected? I guess if we look through to who are those people that are most at risk of these interest rates rising? 
Yeah, there, there is one unfortunate group which is at risk, and that is people who have recently bought their their first home. They've probably, mm. you know, massively leveraged, so they owe 80, 90% of the value of the property to the bank. And they're probably, you know, they've bought to the extent of their borrowing power. So that means that if interest rates go up, they're going to be in, in some difficulty. And that's unfortunately the history of interest rate rises. They always have affected first-time buyers, you know, recent first-time buyers, are the ones that do get impacted. And that's about 10% of the market. And I've looked at you know, the last time that interest rates went up in 2011, there was a massive drop in the number of first-time buyers. So they, you know, they just didn't enter yeah. the market. And that can cause price falls in, in those areas because people aren't buying. And so the demand falls and so prices do tend to go down a little bit. But all we're talking about here is those sort of outer suburban first-time buyer markets, mm. you know, growth corridors for units, very, very small percentage of the market in total that is really impacted. And the other thing is that they do, because interest rates tend to fall again after a little while, that people, you know, bounce back and get over it. And the housing market, in the, even in those areas, returns back to growth again. I guess people tighten their belts and if they've been working towards that dream of home ownership, I know Michael Yardney often says, you know, you're going to eat your magic noodles and, you know, tighten things up as best you can. And the last thing you want to do is, you know, sell your house and go back to renting, especially when rents are going up as much as they are as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's your home. And I know when I bought my first home to live in and, and rates were up to 13%, we had two young kids, you know, and so it was pretty mm. rough. And I grew vegetables out the back and got some chickens. And, uh, you know, we we got a, one of these home bottling outfits. So we tried to save as much money as we could. But selling the house was just simply not an option. Yeah. I would have got a second job or a third job, whatever it took. Mm. Now, I, I sincerely hope that those sorts of conditions never come back again. You know, we might see some small rises in interest rates and it might cause people some difficulty, but, you know, we really don't think that those sorts of conditions are ever going to come back. So when it comes to the financial landscape, what actually causes property prices to fall potentially? What do we need to look out for? It's well, there's there's one thing that does cause housing prices to fall. And what I did was I studied the performance of the Australian property market. There's all capital cities combined, right back to 1901. So it's when we became a nation and I could get some data, I went back and looked at the times when housing prices actually went negative. And the first time that was, was during World War One. The second time was during the Great Depression. The next time was when we had a credit squeeze in the 1960s. Then we had the recession we had to have in the uh, late 80s, which some of you may remember. Uh, then we had the GFC. And most recently, we had the APRA uh, tightening of credit for investors. And so all of these things had one thing in common. It was a reduction in the amount of housing finance that was available. So in other words, when okay. people, they just couldn't get housing financed, it wasn't that interest rates went up, that had nothing to do with it. It was because they were recessionary crises which cut the amount of housing finance that was available. So that affects all property buyers, you know, that need finance. If they can't get it, they can't buy. And that's why the property market went backwards at those times. Okay. So you touched on earlier why the Reserve Bank is increasing interest rates. Like how does that fit into the bigger picture and why are they doing it? Well, they're not doing it to punish uh, home buyers or, or property <laughs> owners. <laughs> they're doing it because it's they haven't really got a lot of tools to 
to slow down inflation. They see inflation as a you know a big risk because of what's happened in the past, and it is. It's a terrible thing for a lot of people. So it means that they'll use whatever tools they have access to to slow down inflation. And when they've done this, interest rate rises are the best tool they have because what it does is it slows down the economy. And um, again, I, I looked at interest rate rises from 1990 onwards, and every time those interest rate rises occurred, the annual inflation rate then fell. So it does work. It's not a very pleasant thing to have interest rates go up because it, it affects all different types of loans, not just properties, but it's the tool that they use to try and get inflation down. Okay. So I know a lot of us have got some idea of what inflation is and you know just seems like everything's increasing around us at the moment <laughs> so what is inflation as far as the reserve bank's concerned and what are they sort of looking at and why should we care about it well, we should care because it, it affects people who can't cope with the increase in prices. So it's when the shortages occur. So we've got a shortage of fuel, you know, petrol at the moment. And we've seen that, um, you know, that at the Bowser where the prices have gone up dramatically. We're seeing and will be seeing shortages in, in commodities like wheat. I'm sure the price of wheat will go up and other minerals, especially because of the troubles in the in Ukraine, you know, the conflict over there, which is affecting a lot of the availability of commodities and various resources such as wheat and, and so on. So with those shortages, prices go up. And that means, of course, you have to pay more for whatever you want to buy. This affects people on fixed income, so pensioners and, and people on various types of benefits that are paid mm. as a fixed amount. They suddenly find that their buying power is reducing uh, quite steadily. It also affects people who save money in the bank because it means that you're, you know, the value of your savings is, is being eroded. It's not going to buy the same things. No. So 10% inflation means that the value of everything has dropped by 10%. It's not a nice thing to, to say, well, hang on, I've got so much money in the bank, but now it's worth 10% less than what it was before. So because you, you can only buy 10% less than what you could before. Yeah, it, it affects different people in different ways. And the ones that can least afford it, like those on fixed incomes and relying on savings, yeah. they might the ones... be getting a pay increase at work necessarily because no. they might be out of the workforce. And yeah, it also causes a lot of social conflict because when um, prices tend to go up first before wages do, and of course mm, when workers okay. want more money, the bosses say no, you can't have it, and so there's strikes and all sorts of industrial strife as well. And I guess people, when they're paying a higher price for something, just assume that that business is making more. But of course, we've seen in the building industry, especially the costs just to get everything, to transport it, to the builders aren't necessarily making that much extra when all their costs have gone up too. So. That's right. That's right. It's hitting everybody. Interest rates do as the cost of living goes up. It affects everyone. So why are, I guess, different investors attracted to holding property and debt when inflation rates are higher? How does that work? Well, the, the simple reason is that there's a very strong relationship between capital city house prices and inflation. And housing price movements and inflation have always been in sync with each other. And the times when housing prices have moved more vigorously than inflation have been when inflation has been really high, like at the end of World War II, when we had a massive rise in inflation, we also had massive population explosion. The house price boomed, it doubled in a few years. And of course, it was much more than the rate of inflation. The same thing happened in the in the 70s and 80s when we had a period of hyperinflation, very high inflation, but house price growth actually exceeded that. 
it's always moved the same way. So, you know, a good hedge against inflation is buying property because property prices go up more than the rate of inflation. And I guess your debt that you've taken out on the properties fixed. And when you look back in even 10 years, you know, if that loan is is a fixed amount and no longer worth the same dollars in the future, then you've got it in the in past money and it doesn't seem to be as much then. And it isn't in real terms. In real so terms, yeah, yeah. yeah, the value of your debt has reduced, but the value of your asset has increased dramatically. So it, it's a good hedge and it's much better. You know, I would say that the only other option is to put some gold under the bed because gold <laughs> prices go up quite rapidly as well. But uh, of course, you don't get any return on gold, just the capital growth. So what sort of levels of inflation might be expected? Do you, I see lots of different numbers thrown around and I know it's hard to predict, but... What are you thinking from what you've seen? Well, I've seen in the past, you know, when we've had inflation of over 13%. They were extraordinary times, and I don't think we're going to get anything near double-digit inflation. I think there's other ways that it can be dealt with, and so interest rates is only, you know, one one solution. But I think that inflation will, could reach, you know, 5 6% by the end of this year, and then, of course, it'll, it'll probably start to diminish again. So I don't think it's really something we should be overly concerned about. The problem, I think, is that a lot of people haven't experienced really any inflation at all. So the whole idea of, you know, the value of money decreasing is is quite uh, yeah. disturbing. I guess it's more just happened very, very gradually. And, you know, we might have more of it going to pass in a year or two than we've had in a decade, <laughs> potentially. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think interest rates, you know, will be going up a little bit, as I said. But when you look at the history of this, always remember that when the Reserve Bank has increased rates and it has the effect of reducing inflation, they immediately reduce the rates again. So yeah. uh, it's a short period of pain and it doesn't last for very long. And I guess I'm also taking away just that more direct correlation of the house prices to inflation going up and both of them going up together, not the correlation of house prices to interest rates. And that was my biggest takeaway from what you've said. Yeah, there, there really is no correlation between interest rates and house prices because as if most people are immune, homeowners don't have any mortgage or investors who, who can cope with rate rises. So yeah, whereas inflation infects all of us and it certainly has an effect on the housing market, which is a, a very strong correlation. So I guess knowing all of this, what do you suggest investors consider for the next one to two years? And what are you doing yourself? Well, I think <laughs> don't keep your money in the bank. Um, yes. Always, you know, lock in the lowest possible interest rates you you can when you're borrowing money. And the other thing is to go for areas which are going to deliver high cash flow because you you'll get the growth anyway. You know, the growth if inflation increases, then housing prices will go up as well. But you've got to really protect yourself against any rise in in interest rates if you do have a, a large mortgage or an investment. I guess just yeah, make sure that you have buffered in that extra potential 2% and have a buffer aside so that, you know, if the hot water system blows or other things happen, you're not ever caught out. That's right. And and try to look at areas that have got really good good cash flow. You know, luckily, I think the, over the next few years, we're going to see a lot of people coming to Australia as uh, refugees and migrants, maybe tourism will increase as well. So we're going to see a lot of people arriving here. And I think that's going to increase the rent demand. Yeah. So buying the areas where the rent demand is going to rise, because that'll protect you against the, the impact of uh, interest rate rises. Mm. Your reports are available for the whole of Australia, but certainly with what I 
focus on in Perth. Our rental yields are pretty exceptional now when I consider how undervalued our housing market is. And it's beyond me how Adelaide can be priced. <laughs> Most Perth people would are very shocked that their their median house price is some sixty odd thousand higher than than the Perth median. So I think when it comes to cash flow potential and relative affordability, we're in a pretty good spot here for investment potential. Yeah, no, I think that historically Perth's housing prices have always been higher than Adelaide's. So this is a bit of an aberration. And I, I wouldn't be too worried, you know, for people in Perth. I think, you know, every capital city has its time in the sun. Mm. Um, so let's let Adelaide have a bit of that time, but it won't last and, and Perth will recover. We'll get a lot of people coming in from overseas and stimulating that rental market and um, well, investors. It's, it's crazy to me to think how tight it is at the moment with the, the tightest vacancy rate I've ever seen mm. in my 14 years of having the agency and 20 plus years of investing, it's it's kind of sad how difficult it is for tenants. Like I really do feel for them. We can have pressure on prices without like this crazy pressure and it's only going to get worse when borders do open and I guess ultimately that's going to mean higher rents. So yeah, yeah, unfortunately that's how it works. But it also means that it encourages a lot of investors. You know, people yep. come in from the eastern states and provide and, more uh, of that rental stock, and we yeah. need it for them. Mm, so that's and right. I am I have noticed over the last month, especially I think because Brisbane's hitting. You know, it's really had crazy growth over the last year, and it's starting to become unaffordable for a lot of investors. And with the floods on top of that, it's put a fair few people off. So just in the last month, we've seen a considerable increase in um, inquiry from many of those investors that were looking to buy in Brisbane are switching over to here. So that's mm. what I'm sort of seeing on the ground. Yeah, it was. And we run a, a mentoring program yeah, and a lot saying. of, yeah, a lot of students who are intending to buy in Brisbane and they'd see like the price guide might say 800,000. And then when it went for auction, it'd go for, you know, some ridiculous amount like 1.2 yeah, mil. Yeah. It was okay. crazy. And so they've got finance organised and everything and they weren't even in the ballpark. And I think that turns people off when they realise that a lot of the vendor expectations are just simply unrealistic. So in Perth, you know, that hasn't occurred. It did occur during that big boom in, you know, 2010, 11, but it hasn't occurred this time. Prices are still very reasonable. So it's, it's a good time to get into the Perth property market, I think. So how can listeners get more help from you? If they wish, you mentioned your report and helping choose suburbs and you've got your mentoring as well that people can check out. Where should they go and is there anything else that you haven't mentioned in terms uh, of helping people? Well, I think the main way I can help is if you go to our website, which is lindemanreports.com.au. So at Lindeman, my name, L-I-N-D-E-M-A-N, reports.com.au. There's lots of blogs, podcasts, all sorts of information. It's all free. We offer people a free consultancy if they'd like that, if they haven't had one before. So they can have a chat with me for, uh, for free for half an hour, but you have to book in for that, of course. So yeah, there's a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of free information. Yeah. And uh, you can, of course, you can have a look at our reports and we do feature Perth. We do Australia-wide reports, but we always have some suburbs from, from WA and Perth in there, but you can have a look at a sample and so on. But Look at all the free stuff because there's a lot there. We've put a lot of value and effort into providing as much information as we can for free because it's always been my aim in, in my property investing journey to try and help as many other investors as I, as I possibly can. Yeah, great. I'll be keeping an eye on the research that you do and no doubt 
trying to get you back again sometime. It's great to get the perspective of those that have can see things affecting the whole of Australia. And that's why I think our first listeners have a lot to gain from all your knowledge, John. So thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Jared. For free market reports on your suburbs of interest and other helpful resources to grow your wealth, make sure you join my property investor update at investorsedge.com.au slash join. And finally, make sure you're a member of our Perth Property Investment Facebook group. To be part of the conversation with other like-minded investors, get help to your questions and get a feel for what's going on out there in the market. Just a reminder that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature, as we don't know your specific situation. You should always seek professional advice before taking any action. I'll see you in the group.